0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hi, this is Stephanie Powers.
1: You're listening to TV Confidential.
0: Ed Robertson welcoming you to this week's edition of TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will welcome back Joseph Doherty in our second hour, Joseph Doherty Emmy award winning writer, producer, director, of such popular network shows as 30 something, Saving Grace, and Pretty Little Lighters. Joe Doherty, also the writer of the award winning stage production, Chester Bailey. Joe Doherty, also an unabashed fan of Columbo, both the original 45 episodes that aired on NBC in the 1970s and the 24 episodes of Columbo that aired on ABC in the late 80s and throughout the 1990s. Joe will join us in our second hour for a special roundtable discussion about the original Columbo and the ABC Columbo that will also feature David Koenig, David Koenig, author of Shooting Columbo, The Lives and Deaths of TV's rumple Detective. Take a deep dive into Colombo along with Joseph Doherty and David Koenig in our second hour. We'll be able to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, television, of course, would not be possible were it not for the advent of motion pictures. The motion picture industry, as we know it today, would not have existed were it not for the efforts of the Vitagraph Company. The Vitagraph Company, the first major motion picture studio in the United States, and the subject of a new book by our next guest, Andrew Arish. From 1897 to 1925, the Vitagraph Company not only produced about 3,500 movies of various lengths, but was the originator of the full-length feature motion picture, as we know it today. Vitagraph also created the star system, as well as the division of specialized labor and craftspeople that movie makers take for granted today. It was also the first studio to cast women and minorities in major movie roles, created many innovative techniques that are still used today, and developed many fundamental aspects of the movie business as we know it today, including the concept of limited releases in select cities a few weeks before widespread distribution. Vitagraph was the leading producer of motion pictures throughout much of the silent movie era. And yet, for all intents and purposes, it has virtually been forgotten. The reasons why are explored in great detail in Andrew's new book, Vitagraph: America's First Great Motion Picture Studio, which we'll tell you about in just a second. Andrew Arish, welcome to TV Confidential.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: Vitagraph created the feature film. It created the star system. It created... Much of the foundation for the movie industry as we know it today, most people don't know that. Why?
1: You know, because when Vitagraph was in existence, um, they were helping to define what movies were. They got in at the very beginning. And who knew what this thing was? It's almost a uh, detriment to say they made it up as they went along, but they kind of did. And lots of experimentation going on. And because things hadn't been set yet, there were no histories being written. It was too new. And by around the time that they finally went out of business and sold out in 25, the very first uh, widely distributed histories of the movies were starting to be written. Uh, There was one around 24, 25, another one in 1930, that basically everyone that came after off of, and by then the big powers in the movies were more familiar names uh, you know, Paramount, Adolf Zucker, and MGM with Louis B. Mayer, and William Fox, and you know these are names that are still familiar to people because these businesses uh, continue long after these guys have passed but all of them, saying it nicely, stole from Vitographs, stole personnel stole ideas Uh, incredible uh, that that they took credit for all of the Vitagraph innovations. And then the people writing the first histories, hey, who's going to dispute Louis B. Mayer? Who's going to call Adolf Zucker a liar? (laughs) They put it
0: down as fact. And not only that, they were not Things such as the Margaret Herrick Library and other motion picture hey, libraries, uh, which, which we take for granted today, but which has a lot of the information that dispels and, and, and debunks many of the myths that, that have led to a being almost a footnote.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, and that's kind of a thing that rankles me because I grew up believing all the stuff I'm reading in the film history books. And then I started to go to, especially to the Margaret Herrick Library, um, doing research on uh, my first book about Colonel Seelig, And it was an eye-opener because it basically uh, just overturned everything we've ever been taught about how movies got started. And as I'm researching Seelig, I'm realizing Vitagraph is so much bigger than anyone else and leading the way in so many fundamental aspects of what movies became and television, as you noted, and it's great that these archives exist and that somehow business papers, all kinds of important documents, and forgotten audio interviews on tapes that no one's listened to in years, and and films that haven't been seen. I would go to archives around the world, and in some cases you know, I'd request a film to look at, and the person working there would say, you know, we've had this film for 60 years and no one's ever requested it before. And amazing stuff unfolds. It's, it's, uh, if you feel like you've seen every movie or TV show under the sun, there is a whole great treasure trove of stuff just waiting to be seen. And hopefully these will be more widely disseminated uh, before too long.
0: The Margaret Herrick Library in Beverly Hills is for researchers for film and television and stories such as Andy and I. And the Margaret Herrick Library is like Nirvana because it is it is it is. It, it is a wonderful place. Uh, the people of uh, the staff there, they're uh, they, they they take care of every possible thing you can think of. Uh, they take care of the researchers, they take care of the source material. And chances are, folks, I'm willing to bet pretty much every reference book in your collection, whether it's about your favorite television show, of your favorite motion motion picture, or your favorite genre of movies and television, odds are the acknowledgement section includes a reference to the time the author of that book spent at the Margaret Herrick Library. It's a wonderful resource. It's one of the many sources of information that Andrew Arish uh, found information about uh, Vitagraph in his excellent book, Vitagraph, America's First Motion Picture Studio, which is available from University Press uh, of Kentucky and Amazon.com. This is an obvious question. Let me ask you anyway. How did you learn about Vitagraph, Andy, and what drove you to write this book?
1: Well, like I said, it, it's one of those names that I think, if you're a movie geek, it, it's in the back of your brain. Um But I was never really sure who they were or what they did. And I've got an embarrassing story when I first moved to Los Angeles. um, First place I lived was in a neighborhood called Los Feliz. And in my backyard literally was where the ABC television network used to be. Mm -hmm. A sprawling lot. And I remember a a friend of mine said, you know, there was an old, uh, I've heard there was an old silent movie here before ABC took it over and I said yeah it, it, it could have been that important or I'd know about it <laughs> and uh, boy be careful what you say and <laughs> what you take for granted because you know doing my research I find out well that was Vitagraph's Hollywood headquarters and so much uh, amazing stuff happened there and uh, the lot got sold first to Warner Brothers, and then Warner Brothers sold it to ABC when ABC was formed in 1948. And that lot is now called the Prospect Studios, and I think they're still doing, like, General Hospital there. Um, But, you know, it it starts in silent movies, and when it uh, makes a segue to Warner Brothers films, it was Warner Brothers' backlot for... um, all the Errol Flynn movies that take place on the sea, the, the uh, Captain Blood, which Vitagraph has made originally, and the Seahawk and stuff like that. They had this enormous pool on the lot, and they had uh, stamping sets for New York Street and things like that. And then when ABC took it over, it was the home for American Bandstand and the home for Lawrence Welk and all kinds of shows for years and years. Um, and it's still going strong. After all, It's over 100 years now.
0: You, you, you mentioned that uh, the backyard of the place where you first lived in Los Feliz was the West Coast headquarters of Vitagraph. Um, for the most part, Vitagraph was based in New York, which is, you know, e- even though we think of Hollywood as the center of the universe for movies and television, for much of the first 20 decades of movie making, the, New York was where the action was.
1: Absolutely. It, it all started there. And Vitagraph started, believe it or not, in lower Manhattan, uh, near the financial district on Nassau Street. And their first studio was on the roof of the building they occupied. And it, it kind of reminds me, they would shoot movies in the daytime. You needed direct sunlight in the earliest days before there were lights. And... Uh, you're shooting up on the roof and you're shooting, you know, little sitcoms or dramas, whatever, and people in the surrounding skyscrapers in lower Manhattan would stop everything to watch these movies being made. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, the Beatles' final concert (laughs) up on the roof. (laughs) Yeah. Where everything just kind of stopped and here again, Vitagraph is the trendsetter for the Beatles' final concert. What can I tell you?
0: online with us is Andrew Arish. Andrew's latest book, Vitagraph, America's first great motion picture studio is a comprehensive biography and filmography of the Vitagraph company, the Vitagraph company, the first, Major motion picture studio in the United States, producing about 3,500 movies during the silent movie era, but a film company that has since become virtually forgotten. Andrew's book tells you the story of the two men who created uh, the Vitagraph Company, Alfred E. Smith and J. Stuart Blackton, the many innovations that Vitagraph initiated, such as the studio system and the distribution and marketing of motion pictures as we as, as we know it today, and the Several events that led to Vitagraph's demise in 1925. Vitagraph, America's first great motion picture studio, available from University Press of Kentucky and Amazon.com. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. touched on this a little bit earlier andy's book is drawn from copious research studious research drawn from business records trade publications between 19 uh, 1897 and 1925 the uh, years when vitagraph was in existence um, newspaper and magazine coverage correspondence and archival interviews so a lot of the facts about the vitagraph company and it's and it's um and its prominence in the motion picture industry. They were there to be found, yeah. Andrew, uh, Andy. It's so, always been there. Yeah, so it's always been there. You may have touched on this when you say why it was overlooked, because people didn't think of writing movie histories back then, but it, it, it's amazing that the facts were always there to be found. Yes, and,
1: and it kind of rankles me quite a bit that people that have written subsequent histories have not bothered to dig into the early stuff to see if it was true or not. Um, one of the things I've tried to be scrupulous about is to not take Vitagraph's word for anything. Um, I like to uh, double-check my sources and double-check their claims. And there are several instances where they made claims for things that just weren't true. And I called them out on it in the book. And I think that um, it's something that... Um, all historians should do, and especially people writing about movies and TV, because there's been so much misinformation. Uh, and we might as well start to get things right. And there's a lot of good stuff coming out now. And um, everyone has such great stories. Why not just tell the real stories and, and you know let the people that uh, deserve the credit get it? And everyone deserves a little credit for something. Um, one of the few places where people actually know what Vitagraph is, at least know the name better than others, is in Brooklyn where they um, started their first true studio out in Flatbush. And the only thing that's left, that the original studio got torn down about 10 years ago, a little less. The only thing left is the smokestack uh, from the power plant for the studio. And it was like a three-acre um, sprawling, place, and it was the first place called a studio for motion pictures. The smokestack has inlaid lettering that vertically spells Vitagraph, and back in the old days, you could see that smokestack for miles around. It it served as kind of a beacon for Mm -hmm. people that were curious about movies and wanted to get involved, and um, a lot of local Brooklyn people became movie stars or worked in the movies, cameraman or, or... film editors, writers, on and on. So, you know, history is, you know, in my case, when I moved out to L.A., it was literally in my backyard. Mm-hmm. It's right there, you know. It's pretty cool. And I should mention one of the things, because this is TV confidential and silent movies seems
0: a little incongruous to the whole <laughs> idea of- No, but as, as I said at the beginning of the show, Andy, none of television as we know it today would be possible without motion pictures.
1: Yes. I, I completely agree, and, and one of the neat things that I found while researching this was this idea of a feature, what you know what is a feature film? And the idea originally started in vaudeville. When they would call something a feature attraction, it meant something special. Mm-hmm. And usually that act was a little bit longer than the others. So if most vaudeville acts were about twelve to fifteen minutes, the feature performer would do an act that was maybe 25 to 30 minutes. And that carried into silent movies. The two guys that started Vitagraph had been vaudeville performers. And they got this concept of, of the feature performer or the feature movie. And this would be a little bit longer. It would be, you'd put more money into it. There would be a greater character and plot development. And these would be essentially two real movies starting around 1911, 1912. And I don't think it's any accident that people got used to seeing sitcoms and detective stories in this 24 to 30 minute format, which then gets carried into the television era. Um, And it starts way back then. Uh, Vitagraph. When you think of silent movies, you often uh, silent film comedy. You often think of Max Sennett's slapstick, mm-hmm. um, made by the Keystone Company. But I, I came across some statistics. Uh, Vitagraph specialized for years in making situation comedies, as opposed to slapstick, and they made twice as many sitcoms in any given year then Keystone made slapstick and Keystone only made slapstick and sitcoms were just a small component of what Vitagraph was making. They were making hundreds of movies every year among them. Uh, from what I can tell the first detective series in the movies, um, a guy named Maurice Costello was the first matinee idol of the movies and he played in everything Had a, long career, the first male movie star in America. And he made, I think it was eight films as Lambert Chase, detective. (laughs) And he's doing, uh, I think the first one he made was called The Adventure of the Thumbprint. Thumbprints were a new thing, and these were procedurals where this detective, it was probably modeled after Sherlock Holmes a bit, but he's doing contemporary uh, detective shows For people in 1912 and
0: 1913. They're pretty cool. Andrew Arish is the author of Vitagraph, America's first great motion picture studio. We'll talk some more with Andy after this quick timeout here on TV Confidential. This Week in TV History now has its own podcast. You can enjoy This Week in TV History with Tony Figueroa on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you find podcasts